Uh, if you do have your Bibles in front of you, let's just uh, keep them open um, as we'll be working through this passage um, this morning together. Uh, I'll just pray for us as we come to God's Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the way that you reveal yourself to us. Uh, thank you that you do not keep us in the dark, uh, but Lord, that you reveal you're the one uh, that opens up our hearts. You're the one that takes away the blinkers to help us to see the glory that is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And please help us to see that glory uh, and to praise you for it this morning, we pray. Because we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I used to play um, as a goalkeeper. Uh, that's me. Uh, no, it's not. Um, uh, the Emirates Stadium, that's me playing. Uh, but once I, I had a trial um, as a, uh, for a school team, uh, it was a school team um, from Belfast uh, that was being selected to go and play football with some teams over in Liverpool in England. So it was a pretty big deal. Uh, and I played pretty well at the trial, but in the end, I wasn't chosen. Uh, but all the other kids um, from our school were all chosen to be part of the team. And I remember on the way home, uh, they were all talking about the trip and how good it was going to be and how much they were looking forward to go. And one of them even said in the car, and I still remember to this day, isn't it great that everybody that tried out from our school was chosen to be part of the team? It's almost like he had forgotten that I'd even tried out. And I remember there, sitting in the car, tears rolling down my face, looking out the window. And I remember that even though I was only just a kid at the time, that event, that rejection would cut me deep. It would cut me to the core. And maybe, you know, you, this morning you've experienced something similar in your life. Uh, a time in your life when you've been left on the bench, or you've been left on the sidelines or on the shelf. A time whenever you've been rejected or abandoned or dismissed. A time that made you feel like that you were worthless or expendable or unnoticed, or else just plain ordinary. Maybe you feel this morning that that's the story of your life. You know, these moments and these kind of moments, they can, they can really do a, do a thing on us, can't they? They can leave us feeling drained. They can feel us scared and scarred. But this morning, we're going to meet a group of people who fit a lot of those descriptions that I've just described this morning. And as we meet them, we're going to see the difference that it can make when they're the ones that are chosen to play on the winning team. You know, first eight uh, this morning is probably one of the most ordinary verses in the Bible. Verse eight, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. You know, shepherds were typically poor, they were underprivileged. They were on the bottom rung of society. In Jesus' day, the Jews often published, the Jewish leaders published lists of undesirable jobs. And the shepherds were almost on every list. Now this is a bit surprising whenever you think about the Old Testament. What is the Lord? The Lord is my shepherd. So, so how can you go from the Lord is my shepherd to kind of being at a point where you know, it's, one of the, it's on a list of every undesirable job that anybody would ever want to do. And it's not that shepherds, you know, they followed of grace in Jesus' day because they often grazed their sheep wherever the grass was. And that often meant that they would graze their sheep on other people's land. 
They needed to be pretty thick-skinned. They needed to have a brass neck. They needed to have the guts to be able to stand out at night time and to, to stand up and to face wild animals like lions and wolves and wild bears. These were not soft men wearing tea towels on their head. These were tough guys. And the nature of their work meant that they rarely got to the temple. They rarely got the opportunity to go and to confess their sins um, at the temple. And so they were often classed as being unclean. They were considered to be unreliable. And they were considered to be so unreliable that they weren't allowed to give testimony in court. They had no credibility at all. So what have they got to do with the previous verses, you know, from chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, mixing with royalty, mixing with Caesar Augustus, mixing with the majestic Son of God? You know, you imagine you're having a conversation about the next, you know, the latest Marvel movie, you're having a bit of a conversation, and then a friend just chips in and says, you know, um, uh, you know I just love, you know, chicken salt with my chips. And you think, what on earth? has Marvel got to do with chicken salt on chips? You know, verse 8 should start in the court of Caesar Augustus. It should start with in the home of Quirinius, the governor of Syria. You know, on paper, on Jewish paper in particular, shepherds should have nothing to do with the holy, majestic Son of God breaking into the world. But shockingly, it's to chicken salt. It's to nameless shepherds who are going about their ordinary work out in the fields that the story suddenly goes to. And in verse 9, alongside these ordinary shepherds is an angel. But it's no ordinary angel, it's more likely the same angel, the same herald, E. Gabriel, who announced you know, the birth of John and Jesus back in chapter 1. And it's not just an angel this time, there is something more. In verse 9 we read, Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. You know, being terrified in the Bible, it's the, it's the usual response to any kind of interaction, any kind of engagement with God's glory. If you remember back in Isaiah chapter 6 in the Old Testament, the prophet, you know, he thought his days were finished because he caught a glimpse of the glory of God. Such as the experience that, you know, one of the disciples, John, you know, in, the, in, the, in Revelation in, on the island of Patmos, when he saw the glory of the risen Lord, he says, I fell at his feet as though dead. God's glory, God's weight, his unique worth, his presence, that which sets him apart from everything else, it's almost too much to take in. But at the same time, it's so tangible that brings people to their knees in terror. And humanly speaking, it should not be on display in front of some bog-standard shepherds on a hillside near Bethlehem. It just shouldn't be there. You see, God's glory, as we've seen in chapter 1 of Luke's Gospel, it's reserved for holy places like you know, the temple in Jerusalem. That's where God's glory is. That's the usual meeting place between heaven and earth. 
this manifestation of God's glory to these shepherds on this hillside in response to the birth of Messiah. It's, it's announcing therefore a new world, a new era has come. And the glory it isn't just a spectacle, it's also in the message that is being proclaimed. In verse 10 where the angel says, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people, because today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Well, the angels, they bring great news of great joy. That will be for all people. Yes, for emperors. Yes, for governors. But also for extra ordinary people. You know, average Jews, you know, just like the shepherds. People just like you. People just like me. And in fact, it's good news for all people. There is no one potentially outside of God's reach. But what is this message? What is this good news? Well, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Today in the town of, of, of David, a Savior has been born to you. It's that incredible news, isn't it? You know, we all live here in Australia. Australia is part of the world. It's, it's part of our solar system. It's part of our universe. And God, our creator, the one who has created our world, the one who has created the universe, the, world, the one who has created us, the one who has breathed every single one of us into existence, is the Lord. He is the Lord of Australia, he's the Lord of the universe, he is the Lord of us. And that means that he has the right to rule over us. But we don't acknowledge that right. You know, we might believe in a God, but sometimes it's just a God with a small g, a God who is manageable, a God that we can control. Or we sometimes, and people sometimes might even acknowledge the existence of God. But whatever we said, you know, we don't want to make God, we don't want God to be ruler over us. And so we ignore his will, we disobey his commands, we, we try to live independently of him, we act like we are kind of somehow like mini-gods ourselves. But even then, a lot of the time, we live with a sense that something is quite not right in our lives. And we like to think that we can go on like this forever. After all, you know, whenever we do something wrong, we don't get struck by a bolt of lightning or anything like that. But the real, we need to realize that, that we will not go on like that forever. People will not go on like that forever. You know, someone once broke into our house. They completely wrecked the place. What was really sad was they just didn't wreck the living room, but they went into the kids' bedrooms and they completely trashed the kids' bedrooms as well. And it was, it was really sad to kind of wait, just to sit in your house and to realize that these people in our house had no respect for us, they had no concern, they weren't concerned about anything about us. You know, but those robbers, what they did to our house, in many ways, that's what we have done to God. We show him no respect. We're not concerned about the things that he's concerned about. His glory really is of no interest to us. We wreck our lives. We don't care about the world that we live in. And just like the people who wrecked our house deserve to be caught 
And just as those people deserve to face the consequences for what they've done to be punished, we too deserve the same thing. We too deserve to be punished. You know, without a saviour, our situation is, is hopeless. Doesn't matter whether someone's rich or poor. Doesn't matter whether someone attended a, a Catholic school or, or when they grew up. It doesn't matter whether you've been brought up in the church or you've been baptized in the church. Doesn't matter whether someone's a good person or a drug dealer. We all need saving. And as crazy as it sounds, this royal baby born into an ordinary home, lying in a drinking trough, is the saviour that everyone in the world needs. He is the one whom the whole of Israel has been waiting for. He is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And he will grow up. He will be pinned on a cross. And there he will take on our apathy and our rebellion towards God. And as he does, he will take on the wrath that the Father has towards us and the eternal punishment that we all deserve because of how we have mistreated his son, how we have mistreated those around us. He will die in our place and he will provide a way for us as the angels proclaim in verse 14 to find favour with God and to find peace with him. Without this favour, without this peace, we will always be at war with God. We will always live frustrated and empty lives and we'll do that eternally. But through this baby being born, God's grace has not broken into the world and it's now accessible to everyone. You know, the shepherds, just like Zachariah and Mary in chapter 1, are given a sign. They're told, you know, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. I mean, what's striking here is just how ordinary the sign seems in contrast to the grandeur of the verses that are around it. You know, unlike the signs back in, in chapter 1, this sign is not an extraordinary demonstration of God's power. And I'm sure whenever the, the shepherds, you know, heard about the Messiah's birth, I'm sure they thought... No way am I going to see the Saviour. I'm sure they contemplated not going to see him. Because they were too ordinary for a visit. From their point of view, if this child really was the Messiah, the parents would reject the shepherd straight away if they tried to visit them. So how could these ordinary shepherds be convinced to go and see the Saviour? It's because they were told that this baby would be wrapped tightly in cloth. You know, sometimes it's, um, you know, in some of the older versions, it's the, the, the swaddling cloth, you know, it's, it's, it's um, the, uh, a cloth that they're wrapped in. It's what peasants use to wrap their, their children and their babies and their infants in. Just like the shepherds. Just like what the shepherds did with their children. They were told, that's where he'll be. And he will be in a manger, in an ordinary home, just like the shepherds. This was really good news for them. This was their sign. It was that important for God, for these shepherds, to go and meet their Savior. So he gives them a sign, shows them and points them to Jesus. A number of years ago, 
I went to, yeah, to see Coldplay. Anybody at the Coldplay concert whenever they were last here? There's a couple of us here. Anybody wanted to go back again when they come back? It's a pretty amazing, a pretty good concert. Um, but we went to the concert a couple of years ago. Um, and there they were, Coldplay, performing right in front of me at Suncorp Stadium. It was amazing. But imagine standing with a couple of your mates in Suncorp Stadium the next time Coldplay come. And there's no one there except Coldplay. And they are performing for Doc and his mates. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'll give Chris Martin a call this afternoon, you know? Um, you know, there's Doc with a couple of his mates standing in the center of Suncorp Stadium. All the light show, everything else is going on. And up at the front, you've got Chris Martin. And he does this personal message just for the guys that are standing in the middle of Suncorp Stadium. I mean, how would you feel? I mean, how incredibly special, affirm, you know, celebrate it, acknowledge what you feel. You know, you and your friends, you know, there's an office worker, you're there with a teacher, a workmate, a tradie, you know, a shop assistant, a stay-at-home mom, and you're there and you're being serenaded by your favorite artist in all their glory. That's a bit what happens, a bit what, like what happens in verses 13 to 14. Suddenly there's a great company of the heavenly host appears with the angel. They're praising God and they're saying, Glory to God of the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. In verses 13 to 14, it's like celestial praise. You know, it, it, it just breaks out of heaven. It bursts out of heaven. It bursts out of the throne room of God onto this hillside in full view of these ordinary shepherds. And such is the breathtaking significance of what is taking place of that manger in Bethlehem. Such is that the significance of what's happening in Bethlehem. That this is all taking place on this hillside. Outside of Bethlehem. And whenever I read this, you know, my heart is warmed. Because of all the people that God could have done this to. Of all the people who could have performed this concert for. He did it for these shepherds, these ordinary shepherds. And you know, the grace that God has shown to those shepherds has been shown to us in an even fuller way in Jesus Christ. Some of the most darkest moments in my life have been whenever I have felt abandoned or I have been felt forgotten about or times whenever I've been disowned. Times whenever I've been made to feel worthless. But God's grace in Christ is enough to heal us of our sense of worthlessness, our sense of, of rejection. Because Jesus died on the cross for me. Is that incredible? Jesus came and he died on the cross as a savior for me. To bring me into a relationship with the king of the universe. To, to bring me into this eternal glory. In Christ Jesus, I'm no longer rejected, abandoned, forgotten about, disowned, worthless, expendable, humiliated on the bench. Instead, I am part of God's family. I've been adopted as his child, bond for eternal glory. There is an unsearchable, there is an indescribable glory that awaits us in God's presence. 
A glory that we cannot fully comprehend or even recognize or understand in this life. But when we die, when we step into it, we will be so overcome by its, by, by its quality, by its richness, by its death, by its joy, that the life that we leave behind, it will seem like nothing compared with the glory that is before us. You know, when the angels, when they had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem, let's see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger, tightly wrapped up in cloth. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about the child. And all who heard it were amazed and said to them, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The disciples returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. You know, ordinary, visit, or ordinary shepherds, they visit and they're welcomed into an ordinary home. And what do they do with the glory that's been revealed to them? They, they bear witness to it and they bear witness to the good news that they have received. Everything is just as the angels have explained. This babe really is the savior of the world. You know, today, this morning, you know, we stand 2,000 years from this event. And you know, whenever we look back, we, we look back at it through the cross. We look back at it through, through Christ's sacrificial death for us, through the resurrection. As, as Jesus rises from the dead to give us new life. We look at it through the ascension. We look at it through the growth of the worldwide church over the last 2,000 years. And we look at it through the promise of his return again. You know, the shepherds, you know, they only saw in part, but they still bore witness. And they praised God. We see Christ today in 2022. We see Christ in all his glory. You know, I think that's for me what made last Sunday really special. Because we are all just extra ordinary people serving an extraordinary God. That's all we know about. But last week it was just beautiful to watch. I, I love, you know, with, with Cynthia and with Kristen, all the work that they put in behind the scenes. You know, you know all the different creativity that they put in through the different social media platforms to, to encourage people to come along to the event. It was just beautiful over a couple of I really enjoyed it. Thank you. It was wonderful. It was so creative and so helpful. It was just beautiful to see people use their gifts and creativity in that way. You know, I, I love last Sunday morning. You know, there was Ash and Abhishek and Peter Lord at 7 o'clock in the morning in the heat, you know, kind of like driving out to St. Paul's and, you know, putting stuff in the trailer and carrying things and then coming back to our place and filling the trailers and stuff up again. Um, it's just beautiful to watch ordinary people serving an extraordinary God. You know, just all the, the, um, the different people, you know, performing there at the carols. You know, whenever you got there, like at nine o'clock, you know, people are there practicing from nine o'clock in the morning in the heat. Uh, you know, I, I, Andrew Kramer, I, I said to Andrew, you know, um, you know, someone's coming at 12 o'clock and he says, oh, don't worry, I'll be here all day. Um, again, just, just beautiful to watch. Uh, you know, I love the fact that I was on the, um, I was pretending that I knew how to make candy floss or, you know, fairy floss and, 
and, and Al Jones in, in an Al Jones kind of way came and shoved me out of the way <laughs> with Naomi, you know, and stepped in to serve. Um, I love the fact that, you know, the minister from John Evans, you know, the great John Evans, he made 750 bags of popcorn last week. Um, did you enjoy the popcorn, George? Uh, yeah, I have, yeah. That's good. Um, you know, and, and again, you know, even just the, the people just kept commenting on the size of Satyan's pot. It was massive. Um, you know, and the, the people serving meals, you know, we served 1,350 meals. Uh, and the face painters felt like they'd, they'd actually faced, they'd face painted for 1,350 kids by the end of the day. Um, but again, just people created, just created, just using their creativity and their skills. Ordinary people serving an extraordinary God. Um, and my wife's going to hate this. There's Yoriko at 10.30 at night, last Sunday night, over at Spring Hill, and um, washing all the pots that we all enjoyed the food. Someone had to wash them up, but there she is at 10.30. Um, Yoriko's gonna kill me afterwards, but anyway. <laughs> sneaky photograph at 10.30 at night. Um, ordinary people serving an extraordinary girl. And that's, that's all of us, as a church. You know, turning up, putting a smile on, talking to people online, just bringing our friends along, just packing up, picking things up, picking up rubbish at the end of the night, and just being there as a community to love and to serve others. You know, Sarah Huth with all of her, her creativity and decorations, just making the place look incredibly special. That's all we are. We are extraordinary people serving an extraordinary saviour. An extraordinary saviour who has won us with his love and with his grace, living our everyday lives. Not for ourselves, but for his fame and for his glory. Let's pray. Gracious Lord Jesus, just how incredibly your grace, your incredible and rich your grace is. That you have opened up our eyes to show us the glory in the Lord Jesus Christ that you've not kept us in the dark. Thank you that you are an extraordinary saviour. And thank you for the many ways in which you take us as ordinary people. You are filled with your extraordinary grace. That you empower us to live for your glory, for your fame. And Lord, we pray that you might continue to do your work at this Christmas time. That you, as you revealed yourself to those shepherds on that hillside, we pray, Lord, that you'll continue to do that. Reveal yourself to ordinary folk just like ourselves. So that they might see your glory. That you might use us. That you might use the events in people's lives that they, you might use your word to point people to the Lord Jesus, that they might put their faith in him for themselves. Oh, we give you praise and we give you thanks in Jesus' precious name.